Compute resources continue to trend towards being cheaper, easier to use, and faster. Despite these positives, more compute demands more energy and therefore an increasing carbon footprint. With many companies committing to controlling their net carbon emissions, tools are required for engineers to not only measure their cloud infrastructure, but to make informed choices about how to set up that infrastructure. The operations of Google Cloud are already net zero emissions. The carbon emissions we're going to be talking about are the gross carbon emissions. Sturin Giannini is a senior product manager at Google. He works on Google Cloud Carbon Footprint. In this interview, we discuss how Google Cloud collects and exposes this data to users and how those users are responding in their infrastructure approaches. Sturin, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience in the world of software? Sure. So I'm uh, today a product manager uh, at Google. I've been in the software industry for uh, 15 years, I should say. Originally, I'm an engineer by training. Then I joined the product management side, but uh, keep a very technical hand uh, because my, my products are uh, Google Cloud products. So they are they tend to be very technical products. So myself, I'm more of a a web developer, even though I've done some Android and uh, 3D rendering development in the past. Very cool. Well, the product we're going to talk about today is Carbon Footprint, which you know I think the users will have a general understanding of what that might be from its name. I'm curious, is this your first foray into doing anything environmentally related, or do you have a, a connection there as well? No, that's a good question. I actually... Uh, was looking at, okay, what action can I take using my software engineering skills or product management skills to help fight climate change? And uh, as I was starting to, to brainstorm things I could do on the side, I then realized, wait, but I'm a, I'm a PM at Google. Maybe I could do something at Google. And so that's where uh, we got started with um, helping Google Cloud customers understanding their uh, gross carbon emissions and helping them make more sustainable choices for their cloud infrastructure. So yeah, can we give a formal definition? What is the Carbon Footprint project? Yeah, so you know, Google Cloud Carbon Footprint is a product name, but maybe let me step back and, and maybe define, you know, what do we mean when we say carbon? So, you know, carbon is a shortcut to say, to talk about the greenhouse gas emissions that are responsible for climate change. And they happen to be different gases that are often reported in equivalent grams of uh, carbon dioxide. So this is where the carbon comes from. Uh, basically, when we say carbon, we mean greenhouse gases responsible for climate change. And now, as part of Google Cloud, we we've basically have helped customers with two things. The first is helping them understand what is the impact of their choices and help them make better choices, notably regarding which Google Cloud region to deploy their infrastructure into. And the second area is helping them understand and reduce their gross carbon emissions linked to their Google Cloud usage. So the first one is really about which location to pick when you deploy Google Cloud. Like, you know, as you might guess, uh, Google Cloud, like, like many other cloud providers, have a very large set of data centers all around the world to pick from 
where, where one can deploy a virtual machine, can store data, and all of these are located on different electricity grids. And those electricity grids, to produce this electricity, more or less carbon emissions are emitted. And uh, as a consequence, in depending on where you decide to deploy your infrastructure, you might indirectly emit more or less gross carbon emissions. So this is a really fascinating idea that actually was first introduced to through the opportunity to talk to you. I've been in the position to choose a region before. Uh, I'm in the United States, and pretty much the things I've built have targeted the United States. So even there, I've got a couple of regions. I've always just said, let me pick mine or see if one's a penny cheaper and, and go that way. What are the typical motivations people have for picking their region who aren't yet thinking about the carbon impact? That's a, a very good question. So typically, you have to consider a few factors. The first is an obvious one, is maybe you have some data locality constraints. Maybe, you know, in the area you are in, your data must be in a certain location. That's the first point. The second point is a latency to your end users, right? If you are offering a web service, you want to put your servers as close as possible to your end users. Another one is the price, as you mentioned. The price of a virtual machine uh, depends on, for many cloud providers, on where you, you purchase that virtual machine. And lastly, and this is what we've helped customers with, as I said, not every location has the same carbon impact. So picking, picking the right region for your workload you know, depends on those three dimensions. And you know, often it is something that you have to optimize depending on what you want to put forward. You know, sometimes it's price, sometimes it's carbon, sometimes it's latency, sometimes it's a mix of everything. And so we've, we've, we've published some data regarding this, the last part, the carbon impact of Google Cloud regions, so that you can take more informed decisions considering all of those factors. I've actually built a very small tool that has like three sliders where you can say, okay, I care about latency and carbon, but not about price. Or I care, I care about carbon and a little bit about price, but not about latency. And the tool gives you the regions that we suggest you to use. Oh, very neat. I'd love to delve more into that tool. Can you describe maybe with those three variables, is there a way we can visualize the underlying distribution? Uh, how do the interactions take place across this choice? It's a tool that uses open data. And so the data that it uses is uh, for the latency, it considers, you know, it simplifies by, by considering the distance uh, between where your users are located that you can define in that tool and, and where the region is located. Regarding price, it uses the uh, you know, public prices of, I think, a, a compute engine VM. And regarding carbon, it uses the data that I mentioned uh, that we have recently published and opened to everyone. So this data has uh, two numbers. One of them is called a carbon-free energy percentage, and the other one is the green carbon intensity. So maybe I can, I can dig a little bit deeper into uh, what, what those numbers mean. I think notably the first one needs to be explained. So what do we mean when we say carbon-free energy percentage? So overall, Google invests in enough renewable energy and carbon offsets to neutralize its operational carbon emissions. So what you should think about that as Google Cloud is net zero for its operational emissions, operational carbon emissions. That's net. What about gross carbon emissions? 
So basically, gross carbon emissions are that at a certain in a certain location, at a certain hour of the day, the energy might come from only carbon-free energy sources or might not. And so when it comes in a given hour, when it comes from, from carbon-free energy sources, we consider that, okay, this is a carbon-free hour. So basically, you can think of this carbon-free energy percentage as what percentage of the electricity comes from carbon-free sources on an hourly and original basis. So you see how the, the net zero is really at, the, at a global scale. Like globally, at the end of the year, Google operational carbon emissions are net zero. But at a local scale, in a given region, in a given hour, then the gross carbon emissions might not be zero. And so with this number, this carbon-free energy percentage number, you can basically understand what percentage of the time the region is running on carbon-free energy sources. So if I take an example, a very concrete example, let's say you are running a compute engine VM in Las Vegas. Las Vegas has a carbon-free energy percentage of 19%. If you were to move this VM to Oregon, Oregon, as we've published it, has a carbon-free energy percentage of 90%, so 90%, then you can clearly see that you would go from roughly 20% of the time running on carbon-free energy sources to 90% of the time running on carbon-free energy sources. So basically, you would, you would really reduce your, your gross carbon emissions just by moving from Las Vegas to Oregon. So you stay on the West Coast, you stay in the United States, and you massively reduce your gross uh, emissions. And by the way, you also reduce your bill uh, because it happens that you know, Oregon is cheaper than Las Vegas. So this is what this tool can help you with. Basically, sometimes you know, our customers don't really uh, have insights into you know, what's the best choice uh, regarding price or sustainability, and this tool can help you with that. But of course, the tool is a dedicated page, a dedicated tool that we have created. But uh, we've also worked to add very small labels next to the region selectors of the Google Cloud Console. Or even on the Google Cloud documentation, when you have a locations list, you can see a very sm a small leaf and a small low CO2 indicator next to the regions that have you know, the highest carbon-free energy percentage or the lowest grid carbon intensity. And so basically what we did with that small label is, oh, you don't need to understand those numbers. You don't need to understand what carbon-free energy percentage means. You don't need to understand carbon intensity, which is the, the gram of equivalent carbon dioxide per kilowatt hour consumed. No, no, you don't need to, to understand all that. You can trust that if you see this small leaf and this small low CO2 label anywhere on the docs or the user interface, then basically that means that this region will have low uh, gross carbon emissions. And you can, you know, hopefully uh, by picking this region, you will have lower impact. And by the way, we've tested this change. So before rolling out the display of those small uh, low CO2 labels uh, in the docs or the user interface, we, we performed an A-B testing experiment, right? Because this is what we, we often do when we do uh, changes like that. And what we've observed is that after running the experiment for enough time was that 19% uh, 
of users were more likely to pick a low carbon region when they when we were displaying this small label. And actually, if we only looked at new Google Cloud users, uh, we noticed that 50% of them were more likely to pick a, a low carbon region when this symbol was displayed uh, on the user interface. So basically, we were very satisfied with those results and that, that made the point of rolling out this change uh, all over the Google Cloud console uh, and the Google Cloud documentation pages. Yeah, I wonder if we could pause on that for a moment. I mean, effectively, you're saying a large percentage of users, given this information, use that to inform their decision. I don't have the luxury in a lot of products I interact with of getting a, an eco-friendly version. I think I'd take it if it were if it were there. Do you see the opportunity for this to become, you know, a broader standard in other industries? Yeah, I think definitely uh, within Google products, you have seen this small leaf popping up a bit everywhere. And, you know, it is actually the exact same symbol that we use all over the product surfaces. So let me give examples. If you use Google Maps and, and do a, a route a search, then you will have multiple routes suggested to you. And the one that is the most sustainable will have this small leaf associated to it. If you use, if you use Google Flight, uh, when you when you when you see the list of flights uh, for a given destination, you will also see the ones that are most sustainable. And again, the the label is the same. It's this small leaf. And in the case of Google Flight, it gives you basically which flight has the lowest emissions. So you can see how within Google products, this pattern appears where it makes sense. And then, yeah, I, I hope we will see that more and more in in more products because we know that those micro optimizations can have large impact. And maybe let me go back to cloud and, and picking a region. I'm convinced that after moving to the cloud, picking the region with the lowest carbon impact is probably the most impactful change compared to the effort required that customers can do. And if we show the information in the right place at the right time, then this can have a lot of impact. Right? If, if, we, if we make somebody aware that they should deploy to Oregon instead of deploying to Las Vegas because the gross carbon emissions will be lower in Oregon, then that's all we need to direct these users towards the, the greenest option. And so, yeah, picking, picking the, the right region is probably the most impactful change that customers can do, of course, after moving to the cloud. Because I can talk about this too if you want. But there is also a big difference between the, carbon, the gross carbon emissions of, of running on Google Cloud and, and the gross carbon emissions of running uh, on-premises, for example. Yeah, I'd love to get into both, but I've got one follow-up for you about the example of moving our VM from Las Vegas to Oregon. You already ran over the numbers. We went from something in the teens to 90% on the carbon, which is huge improvement. The price also, as you'd mentioned, goes down. What about that third variable of latency for people who live in Las Vegas and have enjoyed a close server? What's the new experience going to be in terms of milliseconds or on average? I mean, that's a good question. Like, you know, if, if your goal is to offer some kind of real-time video game streaming platform to Las Vegas residents, then yeah, you probably want to optimize to be as close as possible to them. If your goal is to offer a website, then, you know, 
Oregon, Las Vegas, at the speed of light, I don't think there is that much difference. Also, your users are probably not only coming from Las Vegas, they're coming from all over the, the West Coast. And so this is why it, it won't have much impact. Of course, we are not talking here about crossing the entire globe. Like we are talking about a, a small um, regional change within the same area of the same country. Now, there, is also, there are also some workloads, by the way, that, that do not care about latency to end users. Like everything that is about data processing of a data set, you know, the data set is located in a certain region that you can also uh, use our numbers to, to decide where to, to store your data. And then processing that data, you know, is not latency sensitive. It doesn't need to happen in order to serve a user request. Therefore, this can be done uh, not only in the right place, but also at the right time. And this is something that we do not really communicate about, but basically... To come back to what I said earlier, the, the, the location and time of the day determines how, how much gross carbon emissions are emitted. And so if you, for example, run your batch jobs when the sun is shining, the carbon intensity of the electricity will be lower at this time of the day. Because, you know, when the sun is shining uh, in California, for example then the solar panels are producing a lot of, uh, of green electricity, are putting a lot of green electricity on the grid. Therefore, um, it's probably uh, like you will have lower gross carbon emissions if you run your batch jobs uh, when the sun is shining. Well, I'm sad to report this is sort of the opposite of what I've done a lot in my career. I've set jobs to run one minute after midnight. We all do, right? But if you think about it, if the price is the same, you know, you can you can look up the carbon intensity of the grid where your location, your VM or your batch job uh, runs, and you can see that well, maybe I should run it uh, one minute after noon. <laughs> yeah, or if uh, if it's a thirty-minute job, I should run it at eleven forty-five so that it really covers the optimal points. There, there's sort of an optimization to be done there. Is that something that uh, you see a lot of DevOps people considering? No, because I think that's probably the third step of what you want to do when you want to reduce your, your gross carbon emissions. Right? You know, if we think in terms of impact, like step number one is move to the cloud. Google Cloud notably has a very low uh, power usage effectiveness. So maybe for our audience, power usage effectiveness is basically uh, how much energy you need to run the facility where the, the servers are running over how much energy is used for IT. And so the lower this ratio is, the more optimized, the more effective your data center is. And, and you know, Google has been communi communicating about this for a while, that for many years, it had one of the, or the lowest power usage effectiveness uh, of the industry. And every year we keep uh, lowering it. So I think right now we are at 1.1 for Google Cloud data centers. So much lower than a typical uh, you know, on-premise power usage effectiveness. So basically, if you think about it, the first thing you should think of is using moving to the cloud. And by the way, as I said earlier, once you move to the cloud, the thing like when the operational emissions at the end of the day are net zero because Google is already offsetting all of that for you. So, okay, step number one, move to the cloud. Step number two, probably picking the, 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 the region with the lowest carbon impact. And then step number three, you know, like optimizing the time uh, that things can, can be uh, run at. 
but there are other things like trying to avoid wasting resources. And here, maybe I can uh, I can mention something that we've worked on at Google Cloud. We have we have worked on analyzing um, what we call unattended projects. So there are some resources in Google Cloud that that our customers have created and might have forgotten. And those resources, you know, if it's a virtual machine, then this virtual machine is is allocated to you. And uh, even if it's idle, it's still consuming some energy. So what we've created using some uh, heuristics and some machine learning is a system that tells you, hey, it looks like you've forgotten about this project. Uh, would you like to delete it? And when you do so, of course, you save money. But of course, you you save carbon because we are able to tell you this project has that amount of idle resources, and if you were to delete that project, you would you would stop emitting that mo- that much uh, gross carbon emissions. So that's something that you can now see uh, in the cloud console. If you open the Google Cloud Console, you can see those recommendations, and they tell you how much gram of equivalent carbon you would save by uh, deleting by 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 following the recommendation. So you know, avoiding waste is another action people can take. And then there are also a lot of around like overall the architecture, how much how much energy consuming it is. And, you know, I, I I've been reading online people claiming that moving to one programming language is more carbon friendly than than another programming language. But but honestly, that's the last thing you want to do. <laughs> like moving your business from one language to another language is probably the hardest change you can implement and riskiest. <laughs> And it's risky. You're not going to rewrite your entire business. Like this is, yes, it, it can have impact. Don't get me wrong. Like some languages are more low level. They are more optimized. So they might burn less CPU and therefore cost less money and, weigh, and, and emit less gross carbon emissions. But I think, I think that that's not where you should start, right? You, you should start by those first steps, like move to the cloud, pick the greenest region, consider removing waste and having a more optimized infrastructure. Well, having an easy access in the interface to make these choices, it seems like a no-brainer if I'm going to go do my next developer project on the weekend that I'm going to make the eco-friendly choices. For an enterprise to do adoption, I'm sure there are just a few more hoops to jump through. Uh, What state of maturity do you find most customers are at at really taking these things into account as they make their decisions? Yeah, so to, to recap, to come back to what I've worked on in Google Cloud, it's informing about the impact of the region selection and providing this Google Cloud Carbon Footprint product, which is a way to measure, report, and, and ultimately help you reduce your gross carbon emissions linked to your Google Cloud usage. So what we've seen is that we've seen a lot of demand for this, this second part, the, the carbon reporting tool that we have launched. So basically, you know, for a very long time, we had a lot of customers asking us, hey, we need help to understand the carbon emissions that are coming from from our Google Cloud usage. Because those customers, they have requirements to report on their on their indirect emissions. And when you use a cloud provider, you are using a service that itself emits emissions directly or indirectly. And so our customers need that data because they have some reporting obligation. They they want to know. They they care about this topic. So they 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 or maybe they have made they have made commitments like Google. You know, I've talked about carbon free energy percentage. Well, Google has made a commitment that in 2030, every location at every hour 
will run at 100% carbon-free energy sources. So that's a pretty strong commitment. But our customers do commitments too. They, they commit to be net zero at a certain date. They commit to reduce by a certain percentage their emissions. So because of those commitments, they have an obligation to, to basically measure and report on their emissions. So that's why that um, after hearing this demand for a while, we, we, we were thinking, oh, maybe we could uh, compute all of that out of the box for every Google Cloud customer. And so that's what we've delivered with, with Google Cloud Carbon Footprint. Uh, right inside the Cloud Console, you can click uh, a new Carbon Footprint item and you have access to a dashboard that tells you your yearly gross carbon emissions, that uh, tells you your uh, break broken down by month, so you can see how you're trending. It's broken down by region because, as we discussed, the, the regions have large impact on your emissions. It's also broken down by, by product that you might be using so that you can see which Google Cloud product makes more sense to optimize. And lastly, it's broken down by project. So a project is a construct where you, you group resources together in, under, under the same project. So that, that gives you a sense of you know, maybe, maybe your project where you, you run your CI, your continuous de deployment and integration system is, is actually emitting a lot of emissions. And this one could be, uh, could be optimized, for example. So to step back, we've heard demand from big, big customers to better understand and, and report on their gross carbon emissions. So we've provided this out-of-the-box dashboard, but also, of course, the ability to export this data automatically into a table so that customers can then incorporate it into their own reporting and, and calculation over time. So all of this is automated, available to every Google Cloud user out-of-the-box. And so we've seen great reception from early testers. So I mentioned companies that we worked with, they, they have helped us test this product before we, we announced it at, uh, at the last uh, Cloud Next uh, last year. So customers like Etsy or, or Twitter or L'Oreal or even partners like SAP uh, helped us uh, validate uh, the data before we opened uh, the product to a public preview. And now we are working hard to bring that product to what we call general availability. So which would be a stage where, where we would, you know, it would be covered by Google Cloud uh, terms of services and, and, and customers could, could rely on them to, to incorporate the data into their carbon reporting. And what are the challenges in that last step of getting it GA? Uh, that's a good question. And that's a lot of my current focus. As a product manager, my goal is to, to make sure the product meets the customer needs. So we knew it met customer needs before opening it up to the public. But since then, we've heard some feedback that we had heard a little bit, but not enough to, to block the launch. But um, we, we want to, to add you know, one or two small features to the scope in order to, to really make it useful to a larger, a larger set of users. So for example, you know, you might know that in, in cloud, there is uh, something called identity and access management. So this is like, which permission do you need to access this carbon data? Today, we've taken the shortcut to say that if you have access to uh, the billing data, then you have access to the carbon data. Well, before going uh, to general availability, we want to introduce a dedicated IAM permission, a dedicated role, so that a company could grant this carbon viewer role to a certain person in their organization without granting them access to the billing data. 
So for example, if you have a director of sustainability at your company, you could grant them this IAM role and so that they could access the report without accessing uh, the billing data. So that's just one example among a few other features that we want to deliver. But the other big aspect is, of course, you know, productionization, which we always want to add more monitoring before going GA. We always want to make sure that things are, are, are you know, reliable and, and available. But also in our case, there is finalizing the methodology and, and really polishing the methodology that we use to compute those per customer gross carbon emissions. And maybe I can talk a little bit about this methodology so that you understand where we are today and what we want to tweak before the product is actually uh, general, generally available. Definitely, yeah. Let's get into the methodology. Sounds good. So, you know, as a customer, when you open this dashboard, you see your gross carbon emissions broken down by, by region, month, and, every, and, and, and project, and, and product. But how do we compute that? Right? How do we go from measuring Google Cloud's data center energy consumption into providing our customers with a dedicated dashboard tailored to their use? This is quite interesting and quite unique. We believe we've, we've worked on something quite unique here because basically for a very long time, Google has been using some internal accounting system to understand which product are using how much resources. And so basically we are leveraging this system to understand, okay, which product is using which resource? Is it, are those resources shared between products or dedicated to this product? Then Google Cloud uh, servers are instrumented to measure the energy consumption, uh, be it idle or dynamic. And so idle is when the, the server is not used and dynamic is when it's used by one or more service. So basically we measure the energy consumed, we measure who has, is responsible for the usage of that resource. And then we cross that data with data coming from one of our partners, which is called Electricity Map. So Electricity Map is telling us for every Google Cloud data center, the hourly carbon intensity of the electricity. So basically when, when we run one server that, that for every kilowatt hour consumed, what is the equivalent gross carbon emission? So we use hourly data from, from a partner to achieve that. So that basically gives us the internal carbon gross carbon emissions. But now how do we translate that into a per customer carbon data where we basically need to allocate this, this data to, to Google Cloud customers? So this is where we, we our methodology is basically computing for every Google Cloud SKU. So like everything you can purchase on Google Cloud, we have internally associated it with emissions per unit of usage. Right, so we basically, we, to do that, we leverage uh, billing data at, at the global scale uh, to apportion, to allocate the, the gross carbon emissions on every Google Cloud SKU. And then we simply use um, the data of what our customers have been consuming. So, you know, when you look at your bill, uh, your Google Cloud bill, you can see exactly what you've been consuming. So we basically take this data and, 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 and use the carbon per unit of usage data to compute your carbon uh, footprint report that you can break down by a region, product, and customer, obviously. 
Uh, we do a monthly aggregation because we, we don't want customers to rely on some daily noise that might come up from the methodology. So we, we really want to report on, uh, to, to avoid people getting a sense of false precision. So that's why we do a monthly aggregation. And that is what you get on the user interface and the data exported. And so this is where we are today. And before we, uh, we go GA, what we want to add is, so today this is only reporting on the, the gross carbon emissions that come from electricity consumption. So yeah, maybe we should have talked about that, but basically depending on how the electricity is produced, it emits more or less carbon, right? If it's coming from a, a, a coal or gas power plant, it will, it will emit a lot of carbon. If it's coming from renewable energies like wind, solar, or maybe even from nuclear power plants, then it will, it will be what we consider carbon-free or it has a very low carbon intensity. So energy consumption you know, has different carbon impact, but that's not all. There are other activities that, that emit uh, carbon. For example, you know, when, when there is a, a power outage, then Google Cloud data centers can, can start up uh, diesel generators. So those will be directly emitting uh, carbon emissions. So this we plan to add to the report. And also there is some upstream and downstream activities, like when Google purchase a, a server or builds a data center, then the manufacturing of those things will have some carbon impact. So we want to incorporate that in also into the methodology that we don't report uh, yet. So today it's only the emissions coming up from the electricity usage, uh, be it electricity production or indirect carbon emissions that are coming from the, the manufacturing of those power plants. So I'm envisioning now the director of sustainability you'd mentioned, and let's think of a case where they're really empowered by the company to go and make uh, positive change uh, with carbon emission in mind. They use these tools to do some sort of optimization, move some things between regions, and the optimization is done and completed. Is that, are they set for life or should we check up on this annually? What might be a healthy process for reviewing the way the infrastructure is set up? So, you know, usually what we see is that our customers want to report yearly on their carbon emissions. And so their emissions have indirect, you know, are also coming from indirect emissions, which, which is their usage of Google Cloud. So what we see is that once you have started to measure and report, you want to at least do that once a year. You want to, of course, confirm that you are trending down. But here, uh, there are two actions. One of them is passive, <laughs> which is, just be because of the fact that you are using Google Cloud, like Google by itself has made some commitment and is constantly making progress to having a higher carbon-free energy percentage. So, you know, I think depending on your region, you know, if it's very likely that more and more Google Cloud regions will have higher uh, carbon-free energy percentage. And so just by doing nothing, you should see your gross carbon emissions going down, right? And and But of course, there is the active uh, monitoring, which is, uh, maybe your Google Cloud usage has increased. So if your usage increase, of course, your, your, your gross carbon emissions could increase too if you don't pay attention to also trying to optimize you know, the emission per unit of usage, if you want. Makes sense. Well, as you think, maybe a year or so out uh, when the product has gone GA and people are engaged with it, are there things on the roadmap or areas you want to explore in the future? 
Yeah, so there is, we want to provide even more recommendations. You know, I mentioned that we already provide one, but we would like to also help to give those advice like, hey, it looks like you're running a batch job at, in this location. Well, did, did you consider moving it to this region, which is very next to yours, but actually is has a much lower carbon impact? That's the kind of thing we want to get into at one point. And then we also want to help customers estimate. So I told you how we, we are helping them select a region. We are helping them report on their usage. But what about trying to anticipate the impact of their choice? So because of the data that we have, we, can, we have the ability to, to predict, oh, if you were to pick that infrastructure in that region with that amount of usage, then you would, we would predict you would emit that much gross carbon emissions. So basically by, by doing some estimations, uh, we could help beforehand customers select one architecture over another one. Of course, there would be, these would be estimates, but they would give a sense of, of the carbon impact of their choices the same way we give them a sense of the carbon impact of their region choice. Interesting. Yeah, I like that idea. Well, you mentioned it's in preview now. Can uh, average users get access to it or do people need to wait for it to go GA? Yeah, no, it's uh, open to everyone. In November last year, um, we, we launched it on stage at Cloud Next and um, you know, cloud.google.com slash carbon dash footprint is where you can get started. But as I said, if you're already a Google Cloud customer and have been using Google Cloud for more than a month, a month and a half, then in the Cloud Console, you can look up on the left nav, uh, on the left navigation, you can look up for a carbon footprint. And if you click that, you should already see uh, some data uh, appearing because it takes us uh, a month and a half to, to to produce, you know, after you first started to use Google Cloud to to produce some data, but once uh, once it's there, you should see uh, see it uh, being updated every month for your projects. So if I've been active on GCP for a couple months, I'll have my dashboard right away. All I've got to do is go to the console. Exactly, no API to enable, no nothing to set up. Like the UI is really here in place for you. It, is just waiting for you to click on on the icon of the left nav, which you know you can find under the hamburger menu. You scroll down, click uh, carbon footprint, and yeah, if you've been using Google Cloud with a billing account, which uh, most customers have, then you should see data. Well, very cool. I hope we get everybody to go check that out and make some smart choices with these ideas in mind in their future work. Stern, thank you so much for coming on Software Engineering Daily. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward for the audience to check out um, those products. As I said, my advice is you want to reduce your emissions. First step, as we said, move to the cloud. That's, that's really proven. And second step, you know, probably pick uh, the region which has the lowest carbon impact. That's what I would recommend. And, and what I want the audience to remember is, oh, as I described, Google Cloud gives you the tools to optimize your region selection and to uh, report on your gross carbon emissions thanks to Google Cloud Carbon Footprint. So it was a pleasure talking to you about this journey. It, it is a, a topic that uh, I was very glad to be able to work on at Google. And uh, I'm always uh, glad to join uh, Software Engineering Daily. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure was all mine. <laughs>